0: hello and welcome to the voice of reason podcast this is your host benjamin boyce and today's guest is james cantor who is a sexologist a leading sexologist in his field in toronto ontario in this interview we talk about his cancellation within a small professional or supposedly professional listserv and if you want to know a little bit more background on that there is another video that i did as well as an article that has been written about that that are linked in the description in this conversation we talk about the changing values within what it means to be a professional right now within the academy and dr cantor's take on the failure of professional societies to maintain professionalism and a deep rooting in logic reason and evidence so, without further ado, here is Dr. James Cantor. There's this email chain that you shared with me and uh, that you were involved in, and I think the—I'm uh, sorry, I'll try—please You please correct my acronym mistakes, but I think it was the SSSS. Uh, they Lister. usually go by
1: Quad S.
0: Quad S. And what does Quad S stand for? Uh, the, uh, the
1: Society for the Scientific Study of Sex. I'm yeah. sorry, it's now changed. Uh, it's now the Society for the Scientific Study of Sexuality.
0: Okay. Oh, that's that's a broadening thing. So could you distinguish between sex and sexuality? And why did they <laughs> change that? Uh,
1: I know what sex is. Sexuality is whatever anyone declares it is. It, it, it's a much more political, you know, it okay. now mixes in uh, gender. Uh, it now mixes in gender. Uh, now, uh, unlike, you know, other organizations that I really get uh, get involved in, I was a member of Quad S and I was well known because I'm well known in the science of of, of sex and sexuality. Uh, they made the change uh, when I first joined. It was sex. Uh, but a lot of that, you know, and perfectly fine. You know, we're going back a generation. We're going back over 20 years now. Uh, so much of that was actually about uh uh, sexual orientation and then sexual orientation, of course, you know, started, uh, uh, became closely related and began including more and more gender identity uh, issues. Uh, 20 years, of course, we were at, 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 at the terrible height of the uh, HIV era. So, you know, that also guided an enormous amount of the of the research was going on, which, of course, was about sexual behavior and how to influence it and how uh, uh, teaching people to keep themselves safe. Uh, so in those days, uh, rather than uh, even then, the gay community, gay and lesbian community, lesbian and gay community, lesbian, gay, bisexual, LGBT, LGBT, T2, Q, Q, I, I, A.
0: There's mm-hmm. a plus,
1: yeah. Right. Uh, oh, the plus. I heard from somebody who decided that the plus actually was for plus-sized people, <laughs> not for and other groups. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: Okay. And is wait, is weight part that, of gender I don't now? Think that that
1: was the, to be fair to them, I don't think that that was the intent. But, you know, getting over the size shame, especially when yeah. it comes to sexuality, dead behind it. Uh, hmm. uh, uh, so, I, as I say, I don't think that really was meant, but yeah. going after body shame as part of, you know, escaping the prejudices of society. Okay. So, it's so, not quite like the other LGBT and so on, because it is much more under one's control, not totally, you know, and there are pressures and influences and so on, but one has more control over one's size than, you know, you were just born gay, born lesbian, da da, da right? It's not... There are similarities, there are differences. But okay, so far right. as, you know, the regular protections and need to overcome the stigma about it, yeah, no, the idea on behind, even though that wasn't the... uh the notion of the plus okay uh, so the reason that quad s changed the uh, meaning of that last s was again to express the broadening of uh of their intent that uh, uh that they wa- didn't want it to be just sex it was including sexualities whatever that meant uh hmm. but of course where sex has a very nice specific scientific meaning sexuality is much more open uh, uh, open to interpretation in the eye of the uh, of the beholder okay uh, unfortunately, as that group went on, that culture—it's like—it wasn't that the sex was just added to and broadened. It essentially has been dropped. It has become more and more of a, uh, a politically oriented group, and I, I don't oppose that. You know, groups should be able to get together and express whatever their affiliations are and whatever their belief systems are, and to you know apply fine. But don't call yourself a scientific society if your purpose is actually, you know, to Mm -hmm. to influence society in a way other than just sharing the available science. Uh, And so there has been in that group and some other groups, there's been a huge, huge shift in culture. Uh, And it's not. It's not novel to the professional societies. I think it's following uh, uh, the pro- a lot of the professions themselves and of course, university campuses. Free speech in just five years. free speech has become it, it its own contradiction. It, it It's been lost. It's been, you know now become a relic of history. The <laughs> idea that you know, if uh, uh, I don't like what you're saying, it's not just let's hold a counter protest it's, you know, let's not not just, you know, give other information, make sure that there are other sources available. So my point of view also gets represented. It's now if I don't like what you're saying, you're not allowed to say it yeah. You know to any genuine liberal I mean, actual liberal liberal who is capable of articulating the principles of liberal. You give them a, 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 a situation and they will articulate these principles, say, you know, these kind of contradict. And this is how I wave against with uh, them against each other. Genuine liberal. Today, liberal is just, you know, and I, I, I keep picturing, a, 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 oh, I forgot. <laughs> Somebody just wrapping themselves in the, uh, in the flag to sh- sh- show just what a good member of their team that, uh, 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 yeah. uh, uh, that they are. You know, they're liberals who say you po- uh, 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 they call themselves liberal, but give them a novel, you know, ethical situation. And it's, oh, I have a friend who and I have to go ask somebody in that situation what the hmm. correct answer is. They're okay. obeying an authority and looking for the priest to give them the anointed true answer rather than. These are my principles, and this is where they lead. Yeah. And being open to whatever conversation or other interpretations of those principles or questioning of those, There's none of that thinking. It's me just showing, you know, showing off that I have a friend in that whatever situation. I know yeah. they're therefore an expert, so I am going to retweet it. And as I say, that's they're calling themselves liberals. But yeah, no. To them, right? It's what I uh, I have principles. They have mottos.
0: Yeah. No. And I was going through that email chain. So you published a blog post about when is a turf not a turf, and you were just trying to articulate that the word turf is not. Uh, very useful because it's describing an entire range of thoughts and beliefs when if you look at each one of those thoughts and beliefs you can believe one thing and not believe the most extreme version of that so the just the label turf isn't necessarily useful is that a proper uh, summary of kind of the gist of what you're saying
1: yeah that's that's very fair Uh, again really and i wasn't even really taking a side on any of this uh, I, you know, shifted from bothering because you know the two sides are just not listening to each other. It's just you know it, it's this side talking to its own bo- its base, this side talking <laughs> to its base. And then every
0: once a while, like, like
1: that. <laughs> right, and then right, and then there's some idiot New Yorker in the middle just getting knocked between the elbows. It, there is uh, no communication. Mm. Uh, but so really, what I was point uh, pointing out was the existence of the yeah. universe between zero and ten. You know, as I put it there, you know, there are people who are legitimately called transphobic. You know, they will not recognize anybody's transition under any circumstances. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's pretty reasonable to call that transphobic. And, you know, the extremists on uh, on the other side, you know, transition on demand. I don't care if you're six years old and don't don't know where babies come from on demand. We encourage you. And, you know, but the bulk of people who are essentially just afraid to say anything because they don't want to get caught in the war. You know, we have the, well, the research says most of these kids, you know, it's stable by about 12 years old, so let's wait until 12. You no, know, there are others. Well, there are hormonal changes which are very complicated, so we should wait until 16. The other people say, well, 18 is an adult anyway, so wait until 18. Yeah. I've read other people saying, well, the brain continues to maturate, which is technically true, until 25ish, so wait until then. Yeah, let's also, hold, you know, hold driver's licenses till then for the same reason. Yeah. There's a range of right, be, but nobody's talking about any of the. Yeah. The research again says twelve, but everybody's saying it's all or none. Hang on, no, there's a, there's a range here. The same with uh, situations in which it is appropriate, you know, and I would even say, you know, uh, uh, more than appropriate. But I'm not thinking of an appropriate, word uh, for uh, stronger. Well, a more appropriate word for stronger than appropriate. Where, <laughs> uh. Uh, recognition is demanded. I'll say at least by my personal uh, uh, ethics. Where uh, uh, housing discrimination, right? Absolutely, there should be no uh, discrimination against trans uh, for you know yes. the standards, housing, employment, uh, and so on. Those are some situations where, again, basic liberal principles. I don't think there would be uh, much debate. But then when we're talking about somebody, you know, 45 year old man who finally decided last week, okay, no, I'm going to do it, you know. Harry hasn't transitioned naked now in the women's showers at his local, you know, YMCA.
0: Yeah. All
1: right. All right. Somebody I can imagine reasonable debate, or at least reasonable debate over that, where at least it's not the same situation. Another situation happening all over the world at this point, athletics. Okay. Somebody, you know, decides to transition, fine, but they're still six foot four and 240 pounds and have the bone density that they got because they went through male puberty. Even though right now they might have female level testosterone, they're still six foot four. Fair to put them on the female. Yeah. Legitimate question. I'm just pointing out that, you know, being. Yeah. The two the two extremes mean it's all one way or all the other way, as opposed to being able to say, well, in this situation in housing, no discrimination, sports maybe depends on age, maybe there are reasonable places to have at least this conversation. And in my essay, I didn't take sides on any of this, except to point out that the research agrees with age 12 when we're talking about uh, kids. But the real problem uh, uh, that uh, uh, that I was having in quad S and that, you know, universities themselves are uh, are happening now is not even some is not you know, where anybody falls on that spectrum. We're not even allowed to have the conversation, not even debating the extremes. Yeah, I wasn't even allowed, you know, I was getting pilloried just for saying that there might be a gray area here. Yeah we're not even
0: allowed to talk about the possibility
1: that something other than the most extreme is true.
0: Yeah, they they really came after you. And it it I'm going through the email chain. And eventually I get to this one letter that I think is a complete parody. Because this person is talking about how much they're being harmed, and how violent you're being towards them, and how like they're shaken to their core. And it, it's exactly like a parody, because not only is it not all original, it's not original. I've read and I've heard all of these statements all- already before. I can even hear the tone of voice in which they are repeated over and over again. But it, it's just completely dialed up, and then everybody... How are you supposed to deal with that? Once once the conversation allows that level of histrionics and um, just regurgitation of a party line, what where where do we go from here? What has happened to the society? How do you how do you move beyond that? Uh, uh, yes, and that that is the part that uh, uh,
1: for uh, for an academic is truly truly scary. Uh, the person who actually put it in words uh, uh, first, uh, Alice Dragare a bioethicist and uh, Mm -hmm. scariest thing I've read in a long time. And she's right. Our institutions are failing us. This isn't just groups of people fighting with each other, the leadership themselves, the people, the people who are supposed to be in the adults in the room saying, all right, when push comes to shove, here are the rules. They're just not following the rules. The institutions themselves are failing. Just just for what I think is social pressure. It's pure, pure, pure pressure. It's just looking good in front of your base. Now, you know, on the political right, we've been accustomed to that for a long time. The left have done exactly the same thing. Uh, it glares at me more when the left does it because I'm more disappointed when when the left does it. Because, again, that's where my principled heart is. Yeah. Uh, but the part that gets me is to realize... Uh, Oh, that makes me wonder. For all of these years, these people who I thought were genuine liberals never really were. It's we're only just now coming up to as situations where genuine liberalism, we're we're now seeing the fracture that, oh, they were always here to look good. But now there's been a split between, you know, what looks good and what's just the dead on accurate information
0: yeah and that's uh, i wouldn't say that they're not following rules i think that there's a new set of rules now and and i think that in every group you're going to have a large mass that are just in it to look good they don't even really care about the group they just want to do what they're doing in a you know, environment that has some form of homeostasis they, want more retweets. So they, they
1: just... just yeah they want to sit at the cool kids table they're just looking yeah. good in front of their gang but you know 30 years ago you know You could only talk to the people who were sitting immediately around you at the cool kids table or the nerd kids table and that was that. Now that, you know, people have to look good or have the feeling, especially young people, of looking good and in front of their entire whatever social media world that they're often imagining, it's like the denominator has grown so wide that the lowest common
0: denominator has dropped really, really low. Okay. For enforcing that. So, but I would contend that there are rules. So it's not that they're not following rules, being the the, the authorities within these institutions. It's just, that, it's just that there are different rules. And that rule seems to be around harm. That's the one key, and that's why in my videos when I'm solo, I always indicate that that word harm is, is an operative principle in this ideology. Do you, do you not see that? that? That they're actually, or do you think that it's completely... Um, predicated on agreement uh, without some sort of like value structure that dictates I that i think the word harm and in
1: the thread where my detractors were you know crying you know I, I feel violated this is a violent attack and then somebody says you know i feel you know that this was a violent attack just reading somebody else was a violent attack. somebody said it was violent and you kept talking <laughs> This yeah. is a fucking email. Yeah. You know, yeah. I grew up with, a, you know, sticks and stones shit. Yeah, know. with
0: actual uh, sticks and stones on the ground.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, but I grew up, you know, getting bullied, you know, gay yeah. kid, you know, and, and nerdy. I grew up with real bullying. You think this is bullying? Yeah. No, I'm disagreeing with you. I'm disagreeing. And again, and it, that's why I actually had to post the actual thread itself. If I just tried describing the thread, no yeah. one would believe me. No one would believe that the other side could actually be this crazy. but you use the word yourself and I'll, uh, uh, histrionics. yeah I actually think that this is genuinely what uh, what's going on. I, I think a lot of these people sincerely I can't give an official diagnosis, but I think there are genuinely people with personality problems such as histrionic personality disorder could you
0: describe that they sincerely are
1: unable to moderate their experiences of their own emotions and they have an unhealthy need for attention and just by taking any insult and calling it harm and calling it violence and just looking like they're huffing and puffing right they're just wrapping themselves in their flag uh, in the flag assuming that the institution, once again, will just not follow the rules or follow new new rules. Okay. And rather than do the logical thing, sorry, the person who is perceived to be victimized is always correct. Don't bother to do any fact checking. Per- so, right, everybody just exaggerates their victimization card. In order to yeah, I, I call this, and I'm saying this, you know, as a gay Jew descendant of Holocaust survivors. I mean, I know harm, I know violence, and I know somebody who's just wrapping themselves in the uh, in the cloth in order actually not to have to present evidence for their uh, their opinions. Uh, sorry, we're not allowed to have that conversation. Even the okay. demand for evidence is itself taken as a uh, uh, as a stroke of violence. Uh, but I, I think you're exactly correct, and it's because. There are so many moral grandstanders now unwilling to call out this crazy behavior as crazy. That has let it blossom in the
0: way that it has. Why are they unwilling but, to call it out?
1: Uh, willing to say, no, just you're being uncomfortable is not a good enough reason to shut somebody else up. Uh, shut somebody else up. Yeah. I mean, we're not even questioning. Were you really a victim? I mean, God forbid we actually ask that. Uh, it, it's uh, hard to uh, it's hard not to compare this to uh, 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 not to see this as a revision, uh, as a uh, not recapitulation, uh, uh, as a repeat of something we've seen before. Uh, the pendulum in the mental health field, well intended. People genuinely g- are trying to do the right thing and to uh, uh, to help people who are genuinely victimized their hearts in the right place. 30 years ago. We were only just starting to recognize then that problems about childhood sexual abuse were much more rampant than we realized or were willing to admit. So there were cases that were getting ignored, kids or families who were reporting and getting overlooked or ignored or dismissed. All right. And then, you know, there came a time when this came to be recognized. People started reporting it. But in the desire now to recognize these cases that were getting uh uh, getting dismissed, it overcorrected. The pendulum overswang. in yeah. our you know, conscious effort to be more open minded to stories of these victimizations. It left us open to manipulation and to people who just, again, for their own psychological needs, hunger for attention. They were able to take advantage of the situation, you know, again, for their own histrionic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, whatever hungers that they had to get whatever attention that they need. This situation was now open to abuse by them. By now, you know, claiming victimization, nobody was allowed to question it. And then we started seeing crazy shit as it started, the whole repressed memory syndrome.
0: Yeah, okay. People
1: who Weren't, weren't abused, no evidence of they were abused, but under hypnotism with a shrink yeah. who was a true believer not paying attention to any of the science saying this wasn't true, the scientists getting insulted and dismissed, this was before cancel, uh, cancel culture, but they were certainly getting ostracized yeah. you're part of the problem, you're as bad as the abusers for not taking at face value this person who just last week realized that they were abused and as I say, it got crazy These weren't just memories of abuse, people who were then ritually abused as part of these satanic rituals, women getting raped to get pregnant to abort the fetuses as part of these demonic. I mean, it was crazy, but we weren't allowed to question somebody who said that they were a victim. And then, you know, that eventually started falling apart. There were, you know, then lawsuits, you know, because there were, I'm not pointing to myself really, but there were men, there were the accusees getting jailed purely on, you know, no physical evidence, resurfaced memory, which the research was saying over and over and over again is not reliable. Here we are again. There was a problem. Genuine transphobia and homophobia and in our effort to correct that overswung and it's left us open to a situation of manipulation where people with their own needs, hunger for attention are now able to abuse this because genuine question askers are no longer able to say, hang on a second or yeah. to ask for evidence. It's If you ask for evidence, anything other than automatic, reflexive and immediate agreement, you're part of the. Yeah. And so we're doing it again. And that's really what's causing it has allowed the door open to people who really don't want to be transitioning or they're they're using transition or they're hoping transition will be an answer to their to their uh, genuine woes. And they are genuine woes. But transition isn't the answer to them. But so really, it's these people who are getting the wrong kind of help. To deal with a problem that they don't have, and it's distracting and keeping them from dealing with the problem that they actually do have. So mm-hmm. it, it's again for those of us who are science oriented, we're just watching history repeat yeah. ourselves. I feel like uh, I feel like Yoda you know, at the end of the the bad set of movies, after the the galaxy has turned evil, you know, and I just have to like abandon, I'm going to Dagobah and just await, you know, a a new hope to be born in the next generation, because this one's lost.
0: Yeah. But with regards to the ways in which this is working out within societies, and within institutions, it seems a little bit uh, how does the correction happen there? Because with regards to the satanic panic and that uh, the overblowing of the childhood sexual abuse, and with the case of detransitioners or people who are wrongfully transitioned, let's say there will be lawsuits with regards to uh, that that will slow down at least the medicalization of this stuff. But what happens to the societies and the academic institutions that are now kind of it seems to me expending their authority to and allow the victims and the victimhood culture and those who are just wanting to use that to their own ends what what do you see the process of a resolution on that front that's an excellent question
1: the lawsuits themselves and again they're only just starting uh uh, they're only just starting a uh, a little bit really the the backlash isn't the, uh, isn't the right word but the 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 momentum in the wrong direction is slowing uh, so far in australia and the uk there are murmurs of it here in canada but nothing public that i'm nothing public yet the us i think will be last to do this uh, what's going on in Australia is, you know, uh, I think the reason that uh, both the UK and Australia are ahead in correcting this overcorrection, if I can put it that way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, is because uh, their medical centers are uh, so centralized. There is a central group. There is, sooner or later, an adult in the room. And so even uh, 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 the UK, for example, is one gender clinic in the entire country. They were able to uh, function that way because it's physically small enough. Uh, Here in Canada, there used to be a small handful uh, of uh, 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 clinics which were able to give permission for the publicly funded then sex reassignment, uh, uh, sex reassignment surgery. Uh, So we were uh, more centralized than the U.S., but not as much as the U.K. uh, or Australia. So I think it's because they were centralized and had a central decision uh, making body that, you know. At first, it was just activists who were giving, you know, too extreme a line. And on the other side, again, which does include some genuinely transphobic people, you know, so the scientists, you know, had a very strange, were mm. getting pushed on uh, on either side of it. But at least the both, uh, uh, with more than one voice in the room, it became a legitimate question. So the science is now getting looked at more seriously, as I say, in, uh, by the adults in the room. Uh, the UK is going through a, a very, very similar uh uh, situation in their uh, big main child gender clinic. Uh, several of the clinicians have blown whistles. Several have resigned, and it's now they're now starting their uh, their reviews. Uh, the U.S. again, I think this will be last in exactly because there is no centralization for it. It's uh, pure. It's run by the customer. It's run purely by politics. It's you know people get money out of it. People put money into it. There's much more room for that kind of uh, activism and commercial input in the U.S. that Hmm. the civilized world
0: has gotten past. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to let that pass. (laughs) I'm going to let that one slide, James. (laughs) So do you think that it'll be the case that... um, once the authorities, the centralized authorities within the medical community, kind of uh, kind of start to draw lines, that so that will trickle into these societies, these research societies, uh, and then the the academy and the research uh, you know communities that have been kind of overrun, it seems. Just in your case and other cases that I've seen, with uh, you know the, a prevalence or preponderance of victims that are shutting down uh, debate. Do you think that that will? kind of draw a line in the sand with regards to this behavior somehow how do you put the I say
1: yes i want you know yoda to get his final scene to fade away appropriately after some clever clever one-liner yeah but i can't really as much as i want to i can't really imagine a path of thinking that would lead people who are thinking one way to think another. I my pessimistic view is that this is going to be largely a generational change. Hmm. That the people who are the adults in the room, you know, and I disagree with the generations before me on many, many uh, the baby boomers, I mean, on, on many, many issues. Uh, but I think a lot of the shift is from as the baby boomers, you know, now past retirement die off. You know, and as the uh, now generation Z, we say here in Canada, uh, is picking up, it's that that shift is what this is following. Uh, yeah. The millennials, somewhere in between, have a foot growing up. You know, sitting at you know with the people around them, and a foot in the world social media world. How is this going to look on my profile? You know, so they're they're hovering uh, a bit <laughs> as they you know go through over the next generation. But, you know, Generation Z doesn't know a world without social media. Yeah. To them, the world is how they look on their profile. Their self-identity is their profile. So the way they look at the world is, you know, they change their image, self-identity by changing their profile. That, that's, uh, that makes sense to them in a way that that doesn't make sense to prior generations. Hmm. And that's not going to change that kind of development, that kind of way of looking at the world, you know, growing up, you know, with that uh, that kind of social environment. Right. That that becomes the way that one looks at the world. So I actually don't think don't have a reason to think that things will shift back because that pattern is not going to shift back. Uh, If I wanted to predict a change, it would be a as I say, Yoda waiting for a new hope to be born in the next generation and for the <laughs> next generation to rebel against whatever the craziness is of their currently children, but eventually yeah, soon to be parents. Right. To rebel against the, oh, you know, my parents, you know, grew up in social media, they don't know anything about the real world, so their kids, you know, are that much more, you know, gardening and granola. Maybe <laughs> yeah. that will. Right. So it, it, it will be whatever or then brand new technology that, you know, yeah. I can't imagine. And, you know, I will be in the old sex researchers home by then, you know, but whatever <laughs> those kids grow up in. Right. And that
0: will guide yeah. how
1: they, okay, right. That That's really how I, uh, how I see things. I, I, I don't see a going back, but it is easy to see a going down.
0: Okay. So do you think that, we're going to have to figure out how liberal values, the classical liberal values that you espouse uh, can operate in the world of social media, in the world of status. How do you make, uh, I guess the question might be, how do you make liberal values a sign of status that, that is oh. operative and, and that becomes a part of the cultural uh, mores, the values that guide a group of researchers, let's say?
1: I would say that even goes beyond uh, liberal or conservative, for that matter, values. Uh, That's just the value of thinking, the value of critical thinking, of engaging with a side who disagrees in order to provoke your own thinking. Healthy debate instead of, you know, this moral grandstanding virtue signaling kind of, as I say, you know, we're not debating. We're just showing our side that we're willing to debate for our side, but nobody's... Uh, so really, to mm. me, the profound loss is uh, 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 education, uh, but not education in the sense of you know learning history, learning mathematics, but education in the sense of learning how to think, learning how to debate, learning how to you know engage an idea, learning how to change one's mind, learning yeah, how to swallow one's pride to change mm-hmm. one's mind, uh, the realization that there is no such thing as proof. There's evidence and there's the best explanation we have for the evidence so far. Who knows what's coming down? Which isn't to say ignore science, you know, stick with it. You know, it's not, you know, the uh, uh, they're not being such a thing as proof outside math. They're not being a such thing as proof doesn't mean that you get to say whatever you want. But the actual ability to, you know, basic logic, people are not able to apply basic reasoning skills. Uh, That probably is, uh, although I value social media and the Internet, I often feel like it came too soon. We weren't prepared. (laughs) We as a culture were not prepared for it. Scientists, intellectuals, academics. You know. We had, you know, uh, uh, listservs and email and so on, you know, long before anybody else did. I, I, I remember when the Internet, before the Internet was the Internet, it was actually a series of other Nets, ARPA, NET, and, uh, uh, several of it. There was an intranet and so on. And then somebody brilliantly came up with a net of Nets. Yeah. That became the Internet. The world, right. So, yeah. right. And we... There were no URLs in those days. You actually had to write out the entire ENCODE addresses right? I remember, with slashes, but I remember the old yeah. days of computers. Uh, and so the, the the technical folk, we already had that. Experts already had, you know, for a century, a publication method, a, a peer review method, a fact checking method, a, a root out the wrong information, at least over time, you know, that existed. The good part of uh, 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 the good part of the internet for the public was that it now allowed, you know larger grouping. and so you would think that that would then improve people's thinking because it's now the better idea out of a larger, but that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. The people who right already had a way of communicating, the experts, you know, did what they always did. There was no reason to change and learn a new system. So the people who were now communicating in large groups were the people who had the least tools to navigate, challenge themselves, update themselves. And so, again, it, rather than being a tool to gather information, it's mostly, a you know, it's been taken over by people who want to show how good they are, how hot they are, how rich they are, you know, to project whatever image that they want to be uh, seen as. And so, again, you know, me and the other Yodas on our various planet Dagobahs see ya. <laughs> OK. Uh, and now we forget that the social world, the social media world is not the world. It's just what we see every day instead of or in addition to NPR, BBC, PBS, you know, I, I take your pick. And so we, that somehow be- became the world. And that actually is a very small fraction of it. Okay. Everybody else, you know, is still I think maybe even more than before a silent majority. We just don't hear from them because they don't tweet, or text, yeah. or vlog, or.
0: So how do you? <clears throat> so you have a pretty uh, negative view on how the institutions of academia will be going forward. Do you think it's going to be in the hands of the generation after the current upstarting generation? Because they are very powerful. All... That that one email, and I'm, I'm probably gonna have to do an episode just reading it because it, it is it, it's completely a parody of itself. Just how harmed this person was just by witnessing you like. Laying oh, I hesitate <laughs> to say they were harmed. Well, I think they're
1: just <laughs> accustomed to cir- uh, 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 circulating in a group where just saying that gets everybody yeah. to you know obey.
0: Yeah, when, and everybody you know, did right, do right, that. when there's it, just, well, it seemed
1: when there's this one stupid kid in the back you know emperor is no clothes." uh question yeah and then of course the whole thing falls apart if anybody questions it which makes everybody now right the the kid who said the emperor has no clothes you think the community all of a sudden said oh my god you're right no it's just right now it's we have to isolate the kid because now all of a sudden the kid has called out that the rest of us were just sheep uh, yeah, so, uh, but when
0: that it, is acting within, and it it seems to be the case that this is acting across academia, like in various other, in all the different camps, not even just in the humanities, but also in STEM. In, in your case, you know what what happens when the entire institution no, is infested,
1: and that's one of uh, that's one of my great regrets about what happened in Quades is that Quades kind of stopped being STEM. Uh, It was, you know, behavioral, scientific, statistical, you know, that that's why I joined it. And it's just as time and as generations shifted, it has now ceased to be a scientific organization and is now being a rather profoundly anti-scientific organization when whatever scientific statement disagrees with somebody's political feeling. Uh, Or at least there are enough people who, you know, have become activists, run for the board and so on and are now. Rather than saying, let's have the debate, here's the diversity of views or making sure that their own view is uh, uh, is shown, it's my view or you're kicked out. You know, th- this is now a group for my view. You know, it has ceased okay. to be a scientific uh, organization. Uh, but you're right. The floridness of it, you know, it, it's, uh, as I said before, I just had to post the original because nobody would believe this. This is, you know, clearly, you know, any neutral, you know, mental health professional would read this and say, you know, you've got some issues here. This is not just, uh, right. This, this is a calculated rant. This is a, you know, programmed reflexive. There is no thinking going on here. This is just, this is a personality disorder that, you know, and it's just unfortunate. Lead, leaders uh, have now just acquiesced to it out of cowardice and their own just need to be popular. They just want to be liked. You know, part of it is, you know, a politician's just, you know, go for your base. But people think and people, they genuinely believe that they're just being nice and doing the nice thing is necessarily the right thing. And that feels so correct. It doesn't occur to anybody to actually challenge uh, their own thinking. Uh, And it's now gotten to the point where that's just taken as a uh, as a reflex. Questioning itself has become has become unpermitted uh, and when this starts hitting you know our scientific institutions well what's left uh, how is this different yeah. now from a religious institution it's gotten it's scary it's really really scary do sex you think just
0: that it, I'm sorry sex just happened uh,
1: uh, sex I just think it's the uh, canary in the coal mine Because sex has and the study of sex has so many political implications that it's uh, uh, so politically fraught with so many people wanting the answer to be whatever their group wants it to be, uh, that it's the first field where we can really see that the effects of this kind of deterioration. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's, uh, as you said, there's more room for it in the uh, in the humanities, but sex research has ceased to be sex research. It's now gender studies. It doesn't matter what the facts are, what the numbers are, and people are perfectly willing to, you know, say those facts aren't facts. You know, they will say, uh, like, uh, uh, his name slipping from, uh, from my mind, from the Trump administration. Oh, he gave alternative facts to that.
0: Yeah.
1: Huh? <laughs> but that's what's going on in the, uh, the law. It's become a series of rhetoric. Let's okay. take, you know, a word we know, violence. Let's broaden the definition of violence so it includes nonviolence. And now let's pretend that everything that the research ever said about violence now pertains to this part that wasn't violent. That's the this kind of is like that. We can broaden the definition of that. And so this counts as that. And then, you know, is surprised when people are not treating this as that. Yeah. Right, it, it's become, as I said, the, the, this kind of word game yeah. rather than an evidentiary chain of events of arguments. Yeah.
0: So, do do you think that it's too late, or do you think that? Um the Jedi scientists need to kind of set up an academy and start to foster uh, young minds that can uh, you know really instill in the next generation uh, some evidence-based or uh, scientific thinking based uh, values. Do you think that it's too late? Do you think that that's kind of your responsibility, the re- responsibility of y- your vanguard? I hesitate
1: to say responsibility. Uh, but I feel it as a responsibility. I mean, to me, this is, you know, that's the do-gooder in me. I, I, it's just, I, I, I just, that's how I want things to go. And so I just feel that as a, a as a personal duty, uh, I think individual people will be continuing to do it, again, in the secretive kind of way, because you can never tell who's on what side. You can never tell who's on what side until they uh, they declare it. Uh, So I think there will continue to exist pockets of individual people who balk at this new trend. And there will continue to be the occasional student who's rebellious enough in their own way to see through the rhetoric. So I I don't think it'll be, you know, become quite extinct ever so much as it will change in how much that's it. I think it'll change in how much it has to be underground versus public. I think what will change is uh, the people who are willing to put their ideas and papers and talks out there and risk the cancel culture. And risk, you know, becoming the subject of some kind of controversy versus just publicly, uh, 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 publish it quietly and, you know, until it builds up and uh, builds up uh, until enough uh, evidence builds up and it can be uh, changed that way. I think that probably would be the the greater effect, that it'll change in how acceptable it is to talk about how much in what area, in what way.
0: Mm -hmm. That it I almost see. seems like you're describing kind of a dark age that we're on the precipice of, in a way.
1: That is exactly what it feels like, and it has. It, if we look at any kind of an intellectual dark age, this, these are what we're seeing are exactly what we see at the beginning of those. This is this is what started the McCarthy era. Uh, this is how the McCarthy era started. This is how uh, the repressed memory era started. It was people were not allowed to question uncomfortable things. People were not allowed to consider, you know, disquieting ideas. Now, of course, there do exist, you know, genuinely, you know, Nazism is the cliche that everybody uh, that everybody uses. But it's the you either block uncomfortable ideas, or you don't, you can't pick and choose. Now, that means that ideas have to get considered that I really, really don't like and I'm offended by. But I am even more offended by the idea that there are ideas that can be dismissed because somebody finds them offensive. That's yeah. not good enough. Yeah. Uh, and what's funny is that even though people are—and uh, uh, again, I'm saying this as an open gay man, uh, openly gay man, and beneficiary of the gay rights movement of you know my youth and of the generation uh, before me—this kind of behavior isn't how we got our rights. This isn't what worked. We made friends with other people. We just kind of showed other groups what we were like. We were kind of harmless. It wasn't the, uh, uh, although, you know, the ACT UP and the, the the Queer Nation was another, you know, even more uh, outlandish group. You know, they were expressing anger during the AIDS, move uh, uh, during the worst of the AIDS days. So even though uh, what they were mm-hmm. doing was not always politically helpful, it actually served a psychological purpose. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. for that. And, yeah. and so And I clearly have mixed feelings about it. But understand both sides. But the thing that really got the culture to change and be uh, uh, to accept, you know, we gay and lesbians and boys and so on, wasn't the activists. It was Will and Grace. It was just, you know, kind of funny, happy. Don't mind having them around. Basically harmless. You know, fun. You know, just being likable. We're not seeing any of that. Uh, We're not seeing I I was thinking that maybe there'd be an exception. (laughs) Individual people, of course, are are exceptions. But as a culture, uh, as a movement, it is so angry and so unpleasant that uh, it is not doing what genuine what what healthy movements do, giving people a place, giving the public, giving civilians an opportunity from which to ask questions and wonder what's going on and become comfortable with it, people are uncomfortable asking questions because they're afraid of saying something that will offend somebody. They'll end up in the war so they don't ask anything. And everybody just kind of, you know, reflexively extreme. That's not who's getting accepted. You know, Mm -hmm. there's no knowledge of diversity or of the mix. Everybody knows the vocabulary to use. Yeah. Or at least everybody thinks they know the vocabulary to use. But most of the vocabulary is just. Jargon that doesn't actually mean anything, but nobody's really learned anything. Uh, So, uh, uh, so again, it's. uh, The thing we're learning to be accustomed to is largely a fiction. It's a commercial. It's uh, being uh, people are being given a bold version of what the different kinds of trans experiences are like. And they're even being lied to and being shown that there is only a trans experience and that a particular person's own lived experience, you know, allows them to speak for the wide, wide diversity of trans experiences. Uh, the ones who uh, realize that they're trans or, you know, start showing signs of, you know, being different in childhood are completely different from the ones who were unremarkable throughout life, you know, uh, 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 And then, you know, at 40 and 50 years old, then decide to transition, which is a completely different phenomenon from the usually unhappy adolescents who start wondering, you know, because they're gender atypical. They're rarely genuinely trans, but they're questioning it. Their experience is completely different from the other two. The uh, male to female is completely different from female to male. You know, but we're treating, uh, unfortunately, the uh, activists uh, again, although well-meaning, uh, are coming at a lot of this where uh, everybody should be treated as if the everybody is going to have the experience they did. For example, a, a, a lot of this is, uh, a lot of mo- the movement is being uh, uh, run by, I have to switch which foot I'm sitting on, uh, a lot of this is uh, being run by the people who, you know, did transition. Transition was the right thing for them, and I'm right behind them. But there also exist a lot of detransitioners. Detransitioners, by definition, don't become activists. So we have activists, <laughs> even though we know they're often in the relative minority, wanting to treat the entire group as if the entire group are also going to be persisters. Even though I'm talking about kids now, uh, kids now, we know that the majority of them are going to be sisters. So. <laughs> But we don't have D sisters on the committee because, of course, they've just faded into the background and usually just living, you know, their everyday lives. Mm-hmm. So right, so the, the people doing the speaking are representing a group that they don't actually represent, which isn't to say that their voice is not important. Their experiences yeah. are indeed valid. But so far, that it's the only voice, you know, when we're treating every case as if every case is going to be like them when actually they're not. They're the most extreme.
0: What's your take on the social contagion hypothesis, the uh, rapid onset gender dysphoria hypothesis? Wildly misunderstood.
1: Uh, again, it, that's part of the, the extreme, extreme pieces. The, it's very, very well established uh, that the kids, you know, and we, we notice, they notice, their parents, their families, their school notice, they're different from the get-go. They're different from childhood. Most of them, the majority of them just turn out to be gay or lesbian by puberty. But for some of them, nope, they actually do continue want, uh, uh, to want to transition. And that very, very well studied. There's another group who come into cl- uh, clinics asking for transition, usually in, uh, in middle age. They've done their best to live in their born gender, not working. And that's when they start uh, 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 trying to uh, transition. And uh, again, the ones who are otherwise mentally healthy, by and large do, uh, do very, very well, at, at least that's what the research showed when we did this under the gatekeeper model. <laughs> uh, it's only in the past couple of years that people started coming into clinics at all in teenage years. There were child clinics, and these were really almost always prepubescent children, and people in middle age. But as a phenomenon, as a large group, and all of a sudden they you know, went from not existing to the largest group, people coming in uh, during adolescence, after puberty, uh, mid-teens, these are a very mixed group. Uh, or at least these groups don't really show uh, that group doesn't show any of the characteristics that the they were called early onset and late onset was the original names of them. But now we have this kind of adolescent onset or rapid onset because, you know, they didn't have a childhood history and it seemed to just start all of a sudden uh, in adolescence, hence rapid onset. Mm -hmm. That seems to uh, there have been very, very few studies other than just to acknowledge, oh, there's something here and it's not matching what we had before. What's going on? We haven't had the long, long, you know, a a dozen long term follow up studies uh, of them. These seem to be people who are a little bit gender atypical, but with a lot of other stuff going on also what they seem to be doing, not to a person. And again, we have to be tentative because they're not as well studied. Largely these seem to be bio females, you know, so they're female to male or female to some atypical gender mixed or uh, non-conforming, non-conforming status. Uh, not all of them, but almost all of them, these people seem to have other kinds of issues with identity in general. And gender identity, because it's now so talked about, has kind of become a lightning rod and whatever is going on in their life, they are attributing it to the gender status. And so they're kind of uh, they're often overvaluing. If only I could transition all Of my social problems, my dating problems, my academic problems, my ADD, you know, whatever else, whatever other issues, my depression, my anxieties, whatever other issues they're battling with, if only I could change gender, all of this will be fixed. Well, I'm too yeah. young to change my gender, so it's society's fault. Yeah. So there are a lot of people who are kind of using the situation, as I said, and, you know, these are people with genuine issues, you know, they, they, you know, deserve, you know, genuine help. But the issue is not. It doesn't seem gender. They're attributing it to gender, which is unfortunately distracting them from family relationships, insecurities, you know, not not feeling good in whatever their uh, their own. But uh, they feel like a failure as a woman. So I would rather say that I'm not a woman and said I'm a whatever atypical gender fluid, you know, so a lot of it is coming out of insecurity and gender and general Uh, identity insecurity rather than gender issues, and they're blaming it on gender, or blaming it on social transphobia, you know, it's kind of outsourcing their troubles. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, As best as we can see, as these people grow, uh, grow older, that usually resolves or uh, if they do start transitioning, uh, it's uh, uh, it's less medically and it's more socially. It's more tentative, uh, and these seem to be the people who tend to you know start uh, start coming uh, 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 start feeling less gender dysphoric as time uh, as time goes on, as they deal with resolve or they just you know mature out of whatever you know uh, adolescent issues they're uh, they're struggling with. Uh, Something else that's uh, another important phenomenon that's been observed amount uh, uh, about these people is that they tend to uh, uh, occur in clusters, like there will be a school or a friendship group and it will just rip right through that, you know, that school or friendship group, the cool kids table or or whatever, but not in another school, you know, so it's not, you know, so they're referring to it as a social uh, uh, contagion. And the best comparison that I have is really to compare this to bulimia. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Not that the behaviors are the same, but bulimia had the same kind of pattern. It, you know, didn't occur, didn't occur, didn't occur. And then all of a sudden it was widespread. It mostly happened to bio females. It was mostly during adolescence. It was mostly people who had a, you know, pile of, you know, in, uh, issues, insecurities, you know, discomfort with their identity and discomfort with uh, with their bodies, you know, and a kind of faded over time. And it would happen, as I say, you know, in one school, hmm. not another, where people would imitate. But now people are capable of imitating st- stuff they see of, uh, on social uh, on social media as well. So I say it really seems to be a group of people, you know, with genuine identity issues that they are genuinely struggling with. But because gender is now the thing talked about, yeah. they're stuck to that in the way that a generation ago, you know, we had a, a, a teenage women stuck on the eating thing and it became bulimia until that. I, I don't want to trivialize okay, yeah. it by saying it yeah. we went out of fashion, but was replaced by something else. So uh, it's not that these people uh, uh, don't need uh, uh, assistance support therapy, they do. Uh, But there's no reason to automatically take at face value, the problem that the problem is exactly what it is that they're uh, that they're saying it is, you know, it's uh, they're using uh, they seem to be using it as a cry for help as a cry for uh, 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 to point out their
0: distress. It seems to be the case that they are also kind of caught, that group is kind of caught in the crossfire where you have the trans activists, some of which have a lot of power or who can uh, make a lot of waves. Uh, Can the activism with regards to transition, insofar as there is legitimate activism to be done, is uh, kind of sweeping up this cohort into it. And then the affirmation model within or the extreme affirmation model within the medical and the psychological establishment is fast tracking this group which the the rapid onset group or however we should describe it is uh there might be the it might be the case that there will be damage done to these uh these girls because they're not getting the proper care plus they're getting the wrong care which has physical implications to it and that might be what, over time, will be leading uh, some sort of blowback with regards to uh, the affirmation model and uh, transition. And uh, be- as the lawsuits happen, it might be that group that that puts the lawsuits on the table.
1: That's imaginable. Uh, I think it's very much going to be, uh, pardon the pun, but a, a case-by-case basis. It's, you know, who, you know, after the uh, the difficulties still had, after they resolve the issues, you know, still has the energy to want to, you know, bring this mm. to court and be public about it, as I say, but by the time somebody's over, they, they just want to get past it. So yeah. it'll be an exceptional kind of person that uh, that's not much, uh, which by itself won't be a surprise. Uh, it would also have to be a person, you know, with access to the money or resources for the lawyers. And, you know, we, one would anticipate that, you know, Now the insurance companies of the physicians and surgeons get involved and that's right. So it's going to be whatever it's not going to be a demographic that decides it. It's going to be whatever person happens to have all of the resources and background to be able to write that. That's what I would guess. Uh, uh, again my other guess would that uh, it, uh, would be that it wouldn't be one of these uh, uh, the rapid onsets it probably would be one of the child transition types one of the ones who uh, who transition uh, or are put on a path to transition in childhood because when somebody's 15 16 you know, we expect more independence and in their ability to declare what they want. They're post pubescent, you know, they have an idea of what homosexuality is and so on. But when you do that to an eight year old, this now much more squarely sits on the responsibility of the parents and the caregivers that the parents had. Uh, the, uh, the only terminological distinction that I would make is that, yeah, absolutely nothing wrong with affirmation. Uh, The problem, again, this is a terminological thing. The problem is when it becomes affirmation only for, you know, roughly uh, for a large chunk of these people. Affirmation is absolutely the correct thing to do. And they have the complete right to it. The problem is uh, when we get into these one size fits all solutions, you know. Affirmation was right for me. So it's right for everybody or you know, the genuine transphobic affirmation was right for nobody So don't affirm any it's the affirmation only it's the you know, one size fits all treat everybody the same way That's that's the that, uh, that's the issue. It's much more individual. There are patterns But you know each person's solution, you know, is uh, uh, is their own
0: mm-hmm. You're So smirking at me what? Well, no, I, I just, uh, we should wrap up. I want to ask you, why did you choose the path of critical thinking? What was it in your, uh, in your experience, in your lived experience, that set you on the path that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down the road of logic as best I can? Uh, that's easy, because I, uh, I was naturally a nerdy, smart
1: kid. And uh, I was not a happy kid. I was, you know, this nerdy, you know, pre-gay, you know, kind of isolated, not a lot of friends. My idol was Mr. Spock. I grew up on Star Trek, a vision of a future where logic and smarts was a good thing instead of something you were bullied hmm. and ridiculed for. So I was, you know, even before I even knew that I was going to be a scientist, I just kind of automatically had that uh, had that vision. Uh, and then as I, you know, I grew up as an uh, as an adult, and I just had a talent for math and logic, it just. Either it was a coincidence that I had an inner Vulcan in me or, you know, I, I milked the inner Vulcan uh, in me. Uh, uh, but I, I, because I wasn't going to be popular anyway, uh, it was a relatively easy transition for me to say the unpopular shit. You know, the question, a teacher asked the question, the only one with a hand up, you know, I it's standing out. I don't know was natural to me, but it was my first language, you know so standing against the rest of the crowd not caring if it was the popular answer or what people think I Grew up essentially having to uh, live in a way not caring what uh, what people think Uh, so it's more like uh, so from my point of view the uh, uh, the question is what experiences allowed me to stick to logic and to stick to my thinking rather than what experiences of conformity and need to be good in front of my friendship group, you know, programmed it out of me and is blocking me from saying what I actually think, because my friends might be upset.
0: Yeah. And what were the returns uh, for you? With regards to like sticking to logic? How did it prove itself to be the right path for you over time? Oh, I wish I could put that in words. What uh, are the rewards of critical thinking? In the, other words,
1: uh, right? I wish I could put that into uh, into words. The uh, let me construct an image instead. Uh, my other idol, uh, Carl Sagan. Again, I, I, it's just, and in those days, you had to wait a whole week for the uh, for the next episode. Yeah. It's, uh, he had, you know, before I became the cynic that I am now. Uh, He had an optimism and idealism about the world and its potential future. You know, he was a hippie, even though he was also a a scientist. Uh, And what I loved about and what the public loved about his shows then was to be able to, you know, and he would just show. And this is the image I want to evoke, you know, the picture of the world itself. The picture of the galaxy itself from different angles and the entire universe and just the – simultaneously the oneness and the connection to it and the feeling of being a piece of it and having a sliver of understanding of how it puts together, how it works, why it works – Right, like like the feeling of love and bond and attachment to another person, it's a feeling of love and bonding and attachment to the universe itself. And the more that one is able to, you know, just acquire knowledge and satisfy one's curiosity and figure out, you know, and see, you know, where things came from, where there's, or make predictions about where things going. Right, I just feel connected to these great systems of nature a universe a galaxy a forest an ecosystem uh right and so that that to me feels like an attachment to me that's the reward is that that is the language of
0: nature mm-hmm. so there's something about the process of critical thinking that allows you to become and in, come into harmony with greater and greater systems is that an accurate way to
1: I guess now that you've set my mind to it, it's not even the critical thinking itself that's on my mind that to me is uh the tool uh, you know, uh, those are the notes that's the scale that's the language in which we do it those are the uh uh but the 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 pleasure is in the song, even though you have to learn the better you are at the scales, the better you are at the song but what okay. I enjoy is the song, <sighs> i guess, and the critical thinking is the practicing your scales stretching before you work out you know pick your metaphor
0: is there something hopeful on the horizon you think um that you can give to people or do you think that we really need to deal with the dark age um and really take it seriously i I wish i uh,
1: no i'm at the moment i'm a pessimist i've become a pessimist and it's uh i don't want to be i hope i find a reason or get to start see things that take me out of that phase it's not a pleasurable place to be in. Maybe after the American elections, I'll be in a better mood. Hmm. Uh, but as I, you know, do what I always do, try to take my hopes for what I want the answer to be out of the yeah. equation and just look at the momentum. Good shit in history, bad shit in history. Good shit in history, you know, and we're <laughs> right. And I, I... shit
0: the side of the stick. <laughs>
1: So I want to be wrong, I hope maybe that uh, uh, with the better connected world, maybe we will go through this cycle faster to get to a good place. Yeah, Uh, but I don't know how that will happen until people in general, and I use this phrase a lot, you know, uh, 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 learn to tap their inner Vulcan, tone down the, the, uh, uh, the virtue signaling and just work on, you know, getting the right answer rather than the answer that feels good or will make you popular. Yeah. But, right, we have a generation and we have a social system where what's popular now rules, you know, more than before. uh, uh, Mm -hmm. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, the kid with the one hand in the classroom. Well, now instead of 30 kids, there were 300 in the room or 3 million or 3 billion in the room.
0: Yeah. Congratulations for reaching the end of the podcast. If you enjoyed this product, consider donating to this channel via paypal.me slash Benjamin Boyce or joining me on Patreon. Also follow me on Twitter at Benjamin A. Boyce. Have a good night.